button. Hey, we are live. Folks, thanks for tuning in to the BAMP Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Lafferty. And today, we are talking about movies that we liked in 2023. But before we do that, let me play my contractually obligated intro music. One second. <laughs> and that uh, that excellent audio-visual, audio-visual extravaganza you just witnessed assures you that you are listening to a high production value <laughs> production. We are uh, only the finest ethically sourced farm-to-table geeky conversation for your podcast listening pleasure. And tonight, I have two uh, erudite gentlemen who are going to talk to us about movies they enjoyed in uh, this past year of our Lord, 2023. Uh, first, Mr. Christopher McLaughlin, um, the creative pit boss of Ghost Show Press. You know, you've Chris often hosts his own episodes on here with uh, lots of intelligent people talking about uh, <laughs> various movies, writers of his anthology. So, Chris, glad you could be here. And I, it looks like you're wearing a T-shirt with the creature from the Black Lagoon. Uh, it's uh, Vincent Price, the abominable Doctor Fives, actually. Ah, okay. I, I got it off. I got it off the the legendary Tower of T-shirts at a uh, comic book convention, and there was a father and son behind me, and the son said, "Dad, what's Doctor Fives?" And dad, with that Mr. Beat, goes, son, it's like a Saw movie, only it doesn't suck. <laughs> all right, all right. And our other guest is Mr. Ross Watson of Star Anvil Studios, directly below us. And you probably recognize Ross from Wild, Wild, Wild Cards, our occasional series where we talk about all things fast, fun, and furious in the realm of savage worlds. So, Ross, good to see you again, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, um, just a little regional color. Um, our local movie theater, the Alamo Draft House, uh, was shut down completely today for, for a union uh, thing. The workers mm-hmm. are uh, are unionizing, and I, for one, solidarity stand with the workers. I, I'm, I'm with them too. I had heard they were closed for a uh, they had a problem with the Sony network that provides their uh, their films. But yes, they are also unionizing. Maybe that was that was what was going on. But yeah. Oh hey, look who's in the comments, Jacob Blackman. Jacob Blackman, what? We know that guy. How you doing, Jacob? So let's talk about movies. Who wants to go first? So we're talking about good movies, right? Um, ostensibly, <laughs> but we tend to ramble, so we could you know talk right, about well, movies or bad I'll, movies. I can start. I can start. I can talk about my uh, my top pick for twenty twenty three. Bar none, the movie I enjoyed the most was Godzilla minus one. Hey, thanks, Jacob Blackman, talking about that movie right away. Uh, Godzilla Minus One blew me away. I've never really been a Godzilla fan, uh, but this is the first time where when they cut away from the monster, I was actually excited. I was like, oh, cool. I could see more about this human group that I'm really interested in. So uh, props to them and a big, uh, big success with a $15 million budget. You're muted. <laughs> Just saying hi to Sean Vera. That's all. He has a cool icon. He does. Have, it's a really cool icon. Yes, Jacob. We, we are aware that I was muted. Thank you very much. All right. But yeah, you, were, you, you were just telling people how fucking glad he was. He was here at the show and you got bleeped. That, Go with that. Exactly. I'm even sober. I'm doing a dry January. I have no excuse whatsoever. So, yeah. 
So I still have to see this movie. I've been putting it off because um, I'm married and my wife doesn't want to see it yet. So hopefully I'll talk her into it sometime soon. But um, it's supposed to be entering wide distribution from what I'm hearing. So um, I, I, I still, I've heard the same thing from you and like three other people. So I'm prepared to believe it's like the best movie of the year. It's just hard for me to swallow that a kaiju movie is somehow the best movie of the year. But It was a surprise. Mm-hmm. Chris, have you seen this one yet? Oh yeah, we uh, we went we went to our uh, in my right to work state. I went to uh, our local uh, Alamo Draft House. We get to see a special sneak preview before everybody, and uh, I took my longtime friend and true true. I'm I am a Godzilla poseur. I will I will freely admit that. But I, I went with a real Godzilla expert and my longtime friend Hal Mangold, and. Uh, I think it took about a minute and a half before we were just completely blown away. Uh, you know, it meant a lot to him as a Godzilla film. And I just, I just immediately embraced it as just an amazing work of cinema. Uh, we saw it before, before, geez, before, uh, before I went on Christmas break. And it's a film that I'm, I'm still kind of chewing over because there's so much there. You know, I mean, you, you, we, we kept elbowing each other with like, with, with like, I never expected a Godzilla film to blank. Like, 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 you know, I, I you know, like I said, I said, like, like, okay, it's like 50 bucks to everybody in this theater that knew this was going to be about war survivor guilt <laughs> or that it would absolutely just punch you in the heart sometimes. It even, I, I think maybe the ultimate comment I paid while we were watching it. Um, no, no spoilers, but, uh, I, I elbowed Hal at one point at the, towards the end. And I said, this ending is a total cheat and I don't even care. Hal Mangold, of course, is the production and art director for Green Ronin Publishing. He works for a company. Yes. <laughs> Here, he also has a beautiful singing voice. Yes. And he also, he also runs his, he also runs his own imprint atomic overmind and puts out many wonderful Lovecraftian things with such devilishly talented people as Ken Height, who's also, I'm blessed having working for my company, uh, go show press. So, so yes, how, how's get and, and how Blake does the amazing covers for my book. So very talented man. And what a blessing to have any friendship for 35 years. True fact. Indeed. Indeed. But if you're out there and you haven't seen Godzilla minus one, like like Mike Flafferty, go out there and watch it. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think it's and as a social science professor, it's it's it, it, it's a film that that it, the the history behind it because it it it, it, it takes place in post war Japan, and it asks it asks all these really complicated questions because. You know, if you actually know your history, you know that that uh, Japan, Japan, Japan's conduct during World War II. You know, they don't get the press that the Nazis did, but wow, they did some things in the con, even in the context of a global war, that are just really, 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 really atrocious. Even if you know a lot of history, then and but it, but it's still, but it's still, it's like okay, the war, the war is over. We've embraced Japan as an ally. And, you know, this, these, you know, most of the main characters fought for Japan and it's like, you know, how much do you owe a terrible cause? You know, I mean, there's just so much in it. It kind of reminds me of, of um, like civil war pictures from years ago. 
I mean, I mean, talk about terrible causes, the Confederacy, ah, but, and, but yet, you know, we didn't, you know, they didn't round up Southerners and kill them. And, you know, they re-embrace them as their, as their, as their countrymen. And, and with them comes that very complicated legacy. And how do you, you know, how do you deal with that? It's a, we, we still, it, we're still sorting that out as a country a hundred years ago. And it reminded me, a, I, I, I found some echoes of that in this movie. And, and if you're talking about things like this in, in, in a series that is more known for guys in rubber dinosaur costumes, <laughs> you know, that's, that's something new and different and, and really, really well done. I just can't say enough good things about the film. Cried multiple times watching it. It does punch you right in the heart sometimes. It really does. You guys are doing a good job of selling this. I I you know, check this one out. So, hey, I see we've got a bunch of folks in the comments. Uh, love to have live viewers. Uh, please chime in if you have any thoughts about Godzilla minus one or any movies that you saw this year that you <laughs> want to talk about. And, so. and I, I, tell, I, I tell you one of the things that, that makes me uh, my, one of my friends posted this great montage of films coming out in in 2024 and it's all part two part three part four part five part six or gritty reimagining of a fairy tale or 80s toy i mean it, it's uh, it's one of the most utterly depressing things i've seen in my life but there's a rumor going around the same people that made godzilla minus one might be in talks to do a star wars movie and i'm I'd thinking wow a guy that could a guy that could do this with Godzilla for 15 million, getting a hold of something that needs a breath of fresh air, like a drowning man. I mean, it's probably just crazy internet rumor, but just the possibility of that. That's one of the few things that like sparks a, a glimmer of hope for cinema's future for me. Yeah. Pedro Pascal has been checked into the hospital uh, for back problems. He's been carrying the whole franchise for so long. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. So, um, Godzilla plus one, sorry, plus one. Godzilla minus one, I can do math. <laughs> That's the um, after party is the plus one. <laughs> what else we got? Uh, yeah, uh, Chris, why don't you tell us one of your top picks for the year? Uh, one of the most out, the other really outstanding film I saw was, uh, was right, was, uh, Christmas Eve Eve. We, uh, we, we are versed available opportunity. We went to see the Iron Claw, the new A24 film which is inspired by the real life unimaginable tragedy of one of the premier pro wrestling families, uh, the Von Erichs. And it was amazing. And, and what's funny is there are parts of it that, you know, I know way too much pro wrestling history. There, there were, there were bits of it like this didn't happen and this is wrong, but it's so right for this movie. You know, even, you know, I mean, you know, there are points where Godzilla minus one had better actual history than, than, than the Iron Claw, but the emotions of it were so right. And, and, you know, it's like they, they hit the grace notes. Like if, if you have any musical friends, they'll, they'll, you know, everybody who's ever been in a band tries to play a song by a way more talented band. You take a shot at a rush song and you realize how much better musicians they are than you. But you get to the point where if you're lucky, you can hit like just enough notes where people can at least tell what you're going for. You know, it, it was, it was, it was that way with history was sometimes, but just the, the, yeah, the real story of the Von Erics, which if you don't know it, it was, um, 
five brothers who all got in, involved in the wrestling business in some degree or another after their older brother was electrocuted to death as a child at age six. The surviving five brothers all got into the wrestling business. Four of them died, one under mysterious circumstances, and three others by suicide. And it's about how does the one surviving brother pull through all of that? And it's just, it's so emotionally true and so well done. It's just, it's, 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 it's a powerful film. I mean, I, I, okay. What films affected me? I, I you know, I, I, you know, God, Godzilla made, Godzilla made me tear up and a pro wrestling movie <laughs> was, was right in that same, same category of just be, of just being so moving and powerful. And uh, I, I would I would recommend it even to people that that uh, that that don't care for the, that, that don't care for wrestling as a, as a rule, or I would recommend it even people who can't wait to go. You know that's fake, right? What? Now I did not <laughs> I did not see this movie, but um, I'm aware of it, and I've certainly seen the previews and things for it. And uh, mm. it's it's certainly A24 is a fantastic studio and they've been really mm. putting out some some excellent movies. This was a brave choice for them to do something like a biopic. Mm. Um, but I think I think it based on your reaction and the reactions mm. I've seen to people who have seen it, it's clear that they did a great job. And I'll say this, mm. um, Zach Efron, not anybody's at least <laughs> not not my idea of a leading man per se, but I hear he's excellent and I can see the work he's put in on his body, he looks like he should be fighting for the Imperium of Man. <laughs> well, he has to play Kevin, the only, the only, the only survivor, and, and 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 Kevin pulled through just just by by holding it all in and powering through life. So it's a performance where he has to hold back a lot, mm. and you, you kind of admire what he's doing just because of the restraint and the discipline that he show, that that he shows as an actor in a performance. So yeah, all right, Jacob. Yes, yes. Back then, it was called Pankration, Jacob. <laughs> I, I I only know that because of Steve Long and the martial arts books he wrote for Hero System. <laughs> That's where I got it from. <laughs> you, you should have seen our Hero System show, uh, Chris. Steve, wherever you are, my friend, this is for you, man. Here you go. Oh. I'm, I'm I missed the Hero System show. I'm I'm sorry. Uh, uh, it's all right. It was a little controversial, but uh oh, no one got hurt. So you got uh, mail. You got mail. <laughs> well, not really. Um, <laughs> let's see who else we. Oh, um, Jacob says I have a Greek roommate. I'm a Greek history and mythology. All right. And uh, as long as his roommate's know. not Pygmalion, he's in great shape. Jacob has a list of his favorite films of 2023. Godzilla Minus One, Evil Dead Rise, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, D&D Honor Among Thieves, which Sean Bear also mentioned, and the Barbie movie. Let's talk about D&D Honor Among Thieves. Was it was it worthy? It was very worthy. I, I thought it was really, really good. Um, just, I mean, we were all had low expectations. Let's be really clear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Low expectations, but and and this is like funny for me to say. I feel like this is the first movie in years that Michelle Rodriguez actually showed up for. Like she really seemed to give a crap about her performance, which I was really excited to see. Chris Pine, of course, great leading man, uh, elevates anything he's in. But the real, the real surprise uh, was uh, Jean Baptiste 
who played the Paladin Zink, because, uh, oh my god, did he blow away, I think, everyone with his performance in uh, Honor Among Thieves. But, um, wasn't he just a cameo, or am I thinking of someone else? No, he was basically an extended cameo, but uh, he was so he was damn memorable, and had some of the best lines. Okay, all right. So, um, would this have been a huge movie if Hasbro wasn't actively fucking their fan base? Uh, timing wise, it was rough because it was like right before Super Mario Brothers, and I feel like it suffered a little bit from being so close to proximity. Mm -hmm. Do we think that the OGL thing might have tainted the box office at all, keeping the hardcore geeks away, or is that uh, more just too inside baseball to really impact impact the box office? Don't know. That's a good question. I I know that my circle of friends definitely discussed it, mm -hmm. and I I mean even uh, the official historian for you know our our industry uh shannon applecline uh he says that you know hasbro could have had an amazing year except they screwed it up for themselves uh, and one of the highlights was this movie being this good mm -hmm. uh and it i it certainly i think it helped expand the brand uh at least a little bit oh hugh grant's really good in it too i uh yeah i, I saw bits and pieces i fell asleep watching this movie so <laughs> I can't wait on if it was good or not because I I just literally dozed off while it was on. So yeah, <laughs> not a ringing endorsement exactly. Um, it might have been. People say it's good. I fall asleep easily, so not that I'm narcoleptic, but uh, yeah. Um, my wife enjoyed it. My kid liked it. So um, yeah, might have been worthy. Chris, I'm guessing you haven't seen that one. No, 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 no. I, 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 when I, when I, when I quit gaming was fired, I, I, I ran away from it like it was on fire. And, you know, they, they threw in Chris Pine, who to me is the diet Coke of leading of movie stars, just one calorie, not movie star enough. I, I, I have despised everything he's ever been in. So, you know, I don't think they, I don't think they could have done more. If they, if they had put like dinosaurs out in front of the movie entrance, I don't think they could have done more to keep me away from this movie. But um, our mutual friend Dan Taylor mm -hmm. wrote an essay uh, for my next ghost show book, Fab uh, Fantastic Flops, about mm -hmm. the D and D movie. And I have to admit, Dan, Dan may have loosened me up a little bit. The way, to hear Dan discuss that movie, I, he makes me think I missed something. And if nothing else, I have to respect a guy who opens up his essay where he has the major studios in Hollywood play, playing a fantasy role-playing game called, called about making blockbusters and describing what happened to that movie in terms of a D&D &D game. You know, he, he's describing all the positive modifiers the D the D and D movie has, and then they then and then Hasbro rolls a one. <laughs> so, yeah. So I I don't know. I, I could be wrong about it. Dan Dan has a Dan Dan has cracked open my 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 thinking on it a bit. I would say it's certainly not flawless, um, but on my scale of like disappointing to great, it was it was pretty good. Um, okay. and, and I think one of the things that's really interesting too is if you're into that kind of thing, the history of D and D in film is uh, surprisingly rich and deep, uh, and has a lot to do with a, a very enterprising young man who got the license at a very young age and held onto it with a diamond grip. Uh, so there's that. I was not aware. That's kind of cool. 
Um, so what uh, what else but movies? So uh, who wants to go next? Yeah. Now, the only, I'm sorry. No, please go please. ahead. I, well, I only got. I only. I have one more. I only have one. One more thing. I actually went to the theater and enjoyed. I uh, mm -hmm. I went to see Guardians of the Galaxy three, and mm -hmm. uh, and uh, wow, talk about another movie that punches you right in the heart. <laughs> you know, I mean that just. Wow, it, it, you know it's like you know there are parts of it that are like watching a supercut of Bambi's mother killed over and, over, <laughs> and over, and over again. It's like why 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 are you bringing on these these cute lovable creatures only to do terrible things to them? <laughs> yeah, that thing that thing packs a punch, you know, and and for things that manifestly aren't real, it was it was something, and it was it was such a. You know, it, it it was such a it was it's a good movie on its own terms. It's a satisfying conclusion to the trilogy, and it kind of breaks your heart on another level because kind of being sandwiched in between um, the hot mess that was Ant Man and the and the Wasp Quantum Mania, and the even hotter mess that was the Marvels. It's kind of like this like very stark reminder of you know, the, the only guy that seems to know how to make a Marvel movie anymore is now the boss at DC. So it really did feel like a last fling between me and the Marvel universe. Like, like, you know, we had a beautiful 15 years together and, you know, this, this was, you know, the last high point in our relationship. So I would love to be wrong about that. I, you know, I, I, I still have some hope for Deadpool three, but other than that, you know, it just kind of, after all these years, it just kind of felt like, wow, this is the last time that you're going to ground up everybody, you know, go to a Marvel movie and come out having enjoyed the experience. So, so, so excellent movie, but just, uh, just a, a layer of sad, many layers of sad on it. This one did make my great list of the year and was definitely the best Marvel movie I saw all year. Oh, yeah. uh, not the best superhero movie. I'll get to that in a minute. But uh, it was really, really good. And um, I, I loved it. I thought it was a, a, a great send-off for the trilogy, the villain, the high evolutionary, holy moly. Um, as a kid, one of the first comics I read was Bill Mantlo's Rocket Raccoon series, which takes place on Half-World and tells you Rocket's origin and everything. Bill Mantlo, absolute genius, by the way. Um, this movie took a lot of uh, license with that origin, but that's okay because it worked out great. And there were parts of it that I thought were uh, just absolutely wonderful. So, yeah, the, the big kudos. Also, funny enough, it's a uh, middle of a reunion for The Suicide Squad. <laughs> There's some, <laughs> so a lot of characters from The Suicide Squad show up in this film. Really, I did not know that. Okay, yeah, Ratcatcher Two is in it. I mean, like anyway, just it's side note, but it's James Gunn being James Gunn, mm. um, and it and it was really well done. I liked I liked where uh, everything ended up there. Hmm. Uh, got a comment from Mister Vera. Um, I really enjoyed a haunting in Venice. It was nice to see a good old fashioned mystery movie in the theater. I did see that one. That was a good movie. Killer cast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't. I did not mean to do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Ross spends a good amount of his time waiting for a conversational opportunities like that, so don't feel bad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> True enough. <laughs> so, Hunting in Venice. That is an Agatha Christie joint, right? Yeah, it's uh, mm -hmm. one of the Poirot films by Kenneth Branagh, and uh, it's it's really good. Uh, Michelle Yeoh has a great part in it. Um, mm -hmm. 
I don't want to give it, it's an Agatha Christie, so I don't, I don't want to give away plot points. It's just it's good mm. and entertaining. And I mean, I've seen all the Poirot films. I've liked all the Poirot films. This one is a little bit better, I think, maybe than the others. Mm. Uh, but that's about all I really can say about it. It's the first one that doesn't have a well-known previous version hanging over it. And I, I appreciate, I, I was looking forward to see what Branagh would do, you know, when he, when he, when he, when he didn't have the shadow of a, of a, of a, of a previous thing hanging over what he wanted to do. Cause I mean, it's so hard, like murder on the Orient express so hard to compete with the original with that unbelievable cast. So I, I was, I mean, I'm sorry the film didn't do better, do better than it did. I, you know, I, I was I was really looking forward to seeing him do more of these, branching out into her more obscure stuff. But he... I would like to talk about my favorite superhero movie of the year. Um, but I have to also talk about my fa- my least favorite film of the year in the same <laughs> at the same time. So for me, one of the absolute standouts uh, of 2023, and definitely. One of the films I enjoyed the most uh, was Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. It was astounding. It was a visually stunning, great voiceovers, uh, just stupendous storytelling. And its message, its message is great. Its message is destiny is what you make of it. You know, you don't let anybody get to tell you what how your story ends. You decide what your, how your story ends. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. I was going to ask how it compared to the first one. Uh, I would say it's on par. Uh, and the first one was freaking awesome. So there you go. Uh, Sony Pictures Animation basically built their whole thing on the, the Spider-Verse films. Because before this, they were uh, they were all right. But after the Spider-Verse films, everybody's like, wow, those guys are... Mm, looks good. But the uh, the thing about Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse, you can't, I can't talk it. I can't discuss it without the contrast to a film with a very similar plot uh, that came out this year as well, which was The Flash. And The Flash is my least favorite film of 2023. (laughs) And part of the reason why is because the message of The Flash is the exact opposite of Mm. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. The message of The Flash is you shouldn't try to make your life better. You should just give up let your billionaire boss tell you that trauma is what makes you who you are and you just have to live with that. And I'm like, no, I like, I like Miles Morales's answer to that so much more. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to do my own thing. And, and, you know, like there's a, there's a, there's a, a corollary to Miles where he's like, you know, we're heroes. We don't just give up and say, this guy has to die or anyone mm-hmm. has to, die. you know, which I love. But uh, yeah, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, definitely one of the best films of last year. Well, the thing I didn't understand about The Flash is why you'd bring back um, Michael Keaton's Batman just to kill him off. It just seemed like a, a strange kind of fan service. So many decisions. I, I, think, I think somebody at Warner Brothers took a look at that and said, and said wow, it, it's, like a mer- it's like the test audiences aren't responding to the prospect of spending two hours locked up in a movie theater with two Ezra Millers. <laughs> Why are they turning this deal down? And it's it's not like it's not it's not like it's not like going by it's not like going along with Zack Snyder's universe has ever hurt us with the fans of the box office ever before. What 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 have we gone wrong? <laughs> That is fair. Um, from Sean, 
What I understand is why Batgirl get pulled and not the Flash. That's good a good question. question. That's a really good question. You know, I got um, link, uh, oddly enough while reading while reading political science journals, which which is which is usually my academic cross to bear. I, I I would flip to the culture section of one and got directed to a great online video where a guy pieced together the story as much as it possibly could. And uh, what it came down to was basically the, the people running uh, Warners at the time, uh, they, they had been burned on some recent projects where directors had basically gotten the job, gotten, gotten on set, thrown the script out, gone way over budget, just kind of shooting, making the movie up as they go along and just, you know, just not pleasing Warners with the results. So the, the the guys who wound up getting getting the Batgirl script got a script that was about one draft away from being a good movie. It it had problems, but it 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 needed one more draft. But Warner's was like, no, you will shoot every word of this, or you will not make this movie. So they made the they made this flawed script with like okay we'll show Warner's the movie they'll see the obvious problems they'll let us go back reshoot fix these fixable problems and everything will be great but by that time they had gone to this Zaslov guy who you know calls everything content and um, he saw a flawed film and said oh it'll cost money to fix it ah cheaper to take the tax write off. So what was apparently not a great film, but a fixable film was just a casualty of this Zaslav bastard. He is a menace and must yeah. be stopped. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Now, Chris, uh, is yeah. there any other films you saw this year that you would like to, or last year that you want to talk about? <laughs> uh, let's see here. What, what, um, let's see here. I, you know, um, well, you know, since you've already got mail over the hero system, uh, you know, I, 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 I think I, I think I spoke a little harshly against against the against the Marvels. Uh, okay, okay, I've heard it is a hot mess. That that was exaggeration for for, for humor's sake. But you know, it's it, it was just kind of it was just kind of exemplary of of where I, of a of a, of a of people misdiagnosing the failure. You know, there there are these people out there that are like hypersensitive to anything that's too woke for them, and they were just actively rooting for it to die before before they saw it. I don't understand these people. I don't understand rooting against art for political purposes. I don't. I don't. I, I teach. I've taught politics for thirty years. I don't understand how these people think. But I just, you know, with my 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 background in wrestling, I just I was sitting here thinking like 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 this just comes down to they just didn't give people enough reasons to want to see this movie because you know the first captain marvel did big did big business because of where it was slotted but I, you know as i bought ms marvel number 1 off the newsstand in 1977 and i just thought out of all the iterations of this character you went with this one it was just such a hard to like and hard to relate to take on the character you know, this whole notion of giving her no memory, no personality through most of the film. I just, you know, it just seemed to be a film that just benefited more from where it was on the schedule than its quality. And I really thought that what that character needed was a, was a second movie to make us care about this character. 
but Marvel took all the wrong lessons from that. They're like, they're like, well, clearly everybody loves Captain Marvel. Let's pull in two characters from streaming shows that nobody watched. And I just, I, I just thought, you know, even if this movie is pretty good, it's just, you just, you haven't given your average moviegoer enough reasons to want to see this. So I wasn't shocked when it failed at the box office. Uh, apparently it's an entertaining enough film uh, but just, and, and I'm worried that people are going to take the wrong lessons from it again. I really, 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 really hope to the people, uh, they're not listening to the people that have a political take on this. Because to me, it's just simple, like you didn't give enough, you didn't give people enough reasons to put their asses in the seats. It's got nothing to do with politics. It's just, you know, you have to give, especially with movies being, you know, racing toward $20 a ticket, you have to do better than this to get people's asses in the seats. And just, hey, see this character from that streaming show you didn't watch is just, it's not going to do it. You know, I, uh, I have a similar view of this film. I did watch it. Um, mm -hmm. And it ended up in my disappointing category, not for any agenda, mm -hmm. but because I genuinely felt it was disappointing. Mm. Um, there are good things about it. I thought uh, Imada Vellani is fantastic as Miss Marvel. Her family is great. She is the heart of that film. And I really liked every time she was on, on screen. Mm. Um, the fight scene in her home is actually pretty great with the two mm. uh, Kree soldiers and the, the gimmick and them switching powers and everything, switching places. Mm. That's, that's interesting. But they didn't... Uh, Okay, so a little bit of a rant incoming. <laughs> I, I feel like this movie needed 15 minutes at the very beginning. Mm. And what I, what I would have loved to have seen is this film pick up directly after the first Captain Marvel film with, uh, with Carol going to the Kree planet. And she's mad as hell. She's just like super pissed off. And when she arrives, it's like, you know, it's like Godzilla. I mean, there's just buildings exploding, everything going crazy, sparks, stuff flying. There's nothing they can do to stop her. She bashes her way in. We get this in a flashback, but it would have been great to see it in the beginning. She bashes her way into the Supreme Intelligence, wipes that thing out. Uh, and, you know, the, the rest of the Kree are trying to stop her, including the villain, uh, which I forget her name because she was very forgettable. Um, but it would be great to have a moment there where Carol, like, has like, oh, shit, what have I done? look on her face like oh no and she she's out of there and we get a chance to see the villain and somebody's like hey now we need to rebuild our, our son is dying we have to fix this and the villain goes no only revenge will fix this and now you have an idea of what she wants right that would be a cool cool bit carol goes back to earth sees uh the, the monica rambo and 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 Mar maria rambo and and she doesn't fly down to join him she just kind of hangs out and waits for a little bit because little maria's like well i'm sure wherever captain marvel is she's fixing problems because that's what captain marvel does right a little bit of hero worship so that we get that later in the film with amana Villani's character and carol's just so like you know she's disgusted with herself she doesn't want to she doesn't want to go down and, and talk to maria and monica because She's not ready to deal with that because she's feeling guilty. She flies off and does all the things that she does in the galaxy to distract her from her own guilt over what she had done on the Kree homeworld. And I feel like that would have really improved the crap out of this film. It would have been nice to see a little, you know, remember in Captain America, the first Avenger, there's like a three minute sequence where it's Captain the Howling Commandos fighting yeah. Hydra all across. Yeah. yeah something like that, but with 
Marvel Cosmic. Hey, here she is helping out Beta Ray Bill. Hey, here she is dealing with uh, various other characters we never see from uh, from Marvel Cosmic. Oh, hey, we have a comment from uh, Mr. Vera. I can now go to concerts at National Arts Center here in Ottawa for less than what it even costs my family in the movies. 20 years ago, that could not be a fact. That was not a fact. Yeah, that's that's fair. It's I'm, Honestly, I'm a little paranoid going to the movies myself. I'm like, well, this is a chance I, I get COVID. Right now, COVID spiking, and they say one-third of all adults in America are going to come down with it. It's, gonna be, it's much milder. I mean, we're mostly vaccinated, but, you know, still, yeah, you might wind up, you know, prone for 48 hours. So, you know. I need an incentive to, to want to go out. But, um, hey, did I just kill conversation by talking about COVID. I feel like I did. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear about COVID. No, that, it's, it's actually good to point out it's still going on. Yeah. And people should be, you know, taking precautions. Oh, yeah, it is that time. Hey, let's talk about a fun movie. Um, oh! Radiant is the blood of the baboon heart. Radiant is the blood of the baboon heart. Um, this was uh, perhaps the conclusion of the Venture Brothers saga. And um, I love the hell out of this movie. I just wish it were a full season because I was hoping for certain plot developments they couldn't fit into, you know, just a feature time frame. But uh, what would you guys think? Seven seasons in a movie is a hell of a journey for any show, but the Venture Brothers cements its place as one of the top animated adult cartoons in the world it was so good and i loved radiant as the blood of the baboon heart chris what do you think i know you saw this oh i, I it, it's 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 as it's as fine uh was it 80 minutes thereabouts 90 minutes thereabouts seems about right it's, 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 about, it's about as fine, fine an hour and a half of entertainment that you're ever going to see but you know, it, it emotionally it vibed very well with Guardians Three. It's just you know here here's the end of something that that meant a lot to me for a long period of time, and and this is literally the end. And and it and it's part of a larger heartbreak because um, the Venture Brothers was the crown jewel in that whole Adult Swim lineup that I that I got. I, I was at a professional and emotional low when I first started watching Adult Swim shows, and. I would go into I would go into work falling asleep because I was up to like one a.m. catching Aqua Teen Hunger Force and C Lab twenty twenty one, and then Venture Brothers <laughs> came along not too long after that, and it was just this joyous. Clearly, no one at corporate is watching what these guys are doing, and 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 with with no, I mean, and 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 with the Zaslov and his people coming in, one of the first things they did was was to kill off Venture Brothers. It really felt like the death of that whole little outpost of independent creation. And I know people will say, well, you know, you got the internet and things like that, but you know, there, and, and as wonderful as the internet has been for creators, it allows me to be a publisher here in my movie filled basement, among other things, you know, having something wildly independently creative in as big a venue as a basic cable channel you know, that's a real, real loss, you know, that, that, that was a reasonably accessible place to find something just as wildly creative as anything that you could have ever found on the internet. So, you know, it was, it was the, it was the end of many, 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 many ages. And it was, a, it, it was a very well done end, but it's still an end. Yeah. I can't say enough good things about it. Um, 
it, it keeps bugging me and there's never going to be a closure on this but i really felt like at the end of the last season they were setting up hank to have a short supervillain career <laughs> did you did you uh, did, did you buy it on disc and listen to the commentary track if you haven't you should I have it on disc. Um, I haven't listened to the commentary track yet. Do they talk the, about the that? commentary track? They get in. They get into what they what they were intending to do when they thought they had a full season, and the the lost plot threads will, will make you weep. Mm -hmm. really will. You know they they, they, had a, they had a, they had a character designed for Matt Berry to do. Oh my god, that would be great. Oh Jackie yeah, Jackie Daytona. I would love to see something from him. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, we don't live in a perfect timeline, but we got a conclusion to the Venture Brothers story. So we shouldn't yeah. bitch, we should be happy because um, it's not often we get things that, you know, end in a satisfying way. So, and speaking of ending in a satisfying way, you see what did their kids, 10 years of podcasting, you can make those kind of segues too. Um, nice one. Yeah. Um, I think we've covered the subject pretty well, although I will indulge Jacob Blackman and say cocaine bear. Um, <laughs> I would argue that movie is review proof because if you, <laughs> you see the title and I, you're either on that ride or you're not. There's nothing else like it. You can't accuse it of false advertising. You know, it's, it's, it's in many ways, one of the more perfect films that came out in 23. Uh, makes a great double feature with snakes on a plane. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking the same thing actually. And um, yeah, that happy note. Um, any last minute thoughts before we wrap things up? Uh, speaking of satisfaction, my one of my runner-ups for uh, the films was Sisu. I can watch Nazis get blown up all day. Uh, definitely check it out. Uh, well, uh, you know, uh, as it happens, two of the films that we all agreed on that we loved, Godzilla Minus One, and the well, at least for me, two of my films, Godzilla Minus One and the Iron Claw are still playing at your local theaters, and uh, Godzilla Minus One especially is a totally different film in a theater on a giant screen with theater sound than it's going to be at home. Uh, I, I would say, love, I, I mean, I, I would not be mad at you if you go see Iron Claw, but really don't miss Godzilla minus one on a big screen. That is, uh, you know, that is where, I mean, the first time you see Godzilla, Hal Elbowman is like, oh, I'm legitimately scared of Godzilla for the first time in my life. I'm 54 and I'm scared of Godzilla for the first time. It's it's that much of a difference in the theater. So so go see them while you can, especially Godzilla minus one. I, I didn't know I needed Japanese Ron Swanson in my life, but I loved seeing Japanese Ron Swanson in that movie. <laughs> oh, can I? All right. Here we go. Random, random trivia story. If you don't mind me wrapping up with this. Yeah, go for it. Um, uh, minor spoiler, uh, there is a major plot point about the main characters as part of their plan to beat Godzilla. They have to find a plane somewhere in disarmed, bombed out post-war Japan. And, uh, they find this insane looking, like almost, you know, art deco punk plane. And I, I, I said to Hal, I think this is a real plane, and I think it's at the Udvar Hazi Air and Space Museum, which is like 15 minutes from my house. And so I could I, I, I got to Google as quickly as possible, and I found out that um, they it is a real plane. They built two of them. At the end of the war, we took one apart and shipped it back to the United States. The front end is at Udvar Hazi. 
the rest of it is at the Smithsonian. <laughs> so I was literally half right. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm telling Hal about this. And Hal says to me, well, you know, should we ever need that plane for a caper of our own? We're going to have to pull two museum heights. <laughs> Very good. And now my goal is to go to Udvar Hazi with like the biggest Godzilla figure that they'll let me in the door with and get a selfie of me and Godzilla in that plane. That's that's like my current li my my life goal for 24. Very sweet. Thank you. I'd like to see that picture when you get that taken. I'm I, I you know it, it's happening. That's that's my that's my bucket for bucket. That's my that's my New Year's resolution. Yes. Well, hey folks, you have just enjoyed uh, 44 minutes and 23 seconds of quality <laughs> geek entertainment talking about the uh, fine <laughs> movies of 2023. If you enjoy this kind of content, check out the BAMP podcast Patreon and help us buy more donuts and make more podcasts. And uh, Russ, you got the final word? See more movies. See more movies. And we will catch you Thank next you. time on the BAMP podcast. <laughs>